received your instructions. Touch cards if you like. Let's fight. Welcome, Welcome to Cam Blue's Bout Business MMA Podcast. <laughs> Lou Finicaro. Boom! A production of GreenRollMedia.com, the world's premier sports betting podcast network, rooted in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. 100%! Now, it's fight weekend, and it is time to touch gloves with the most decorated mixed martial arts betting analyst in the business. He's your host of our main event. You ready? Bring it on! Come on! Come on. And he's all about business. Lou Finacaro. Welcome, fight enthusiasts, to the October 22nd UFC 280 version of Gamblue's Bout Business Podcast. As always, our first order of business is to thank the loyal listeners, fight enthusiasts themselves for listening and staying loyal. Listen, you check Twitter and it's easy to get caught up on all these guys betting five and 10 units on a fight and winning 20 units on a card, uh, yet no one publishes results or gives documentation. I'm not a hater, but I can tell you, grinding profit from bookmakers in any endeavor is not easy. And what I do isn't sexy, flashy, nor is it easy in the long term. It's profitable. It's not sexy, but we're running a business here. So for those hanging with us, thanks for staying the course. Clearly, you get it. And I trust you all as savvy betters. Last week, great call on Malcoon but really poor call on some of the totals and other positions on the card. I need to be better with those. One and three minus 1.8 units isn't going to cut it. We go into this card, 94 and 106, plus one unit. We're actually like plus 99. I'm going to call it a unit. Very negligible, but positive ROI. We need to make a move this card. That's what I plan on doing. I'm going to bring you guys right along with me. And with that, Let's go right into round one. Round one, undercard, 205 pounders. Couple of things we should have gotten cleared up in the intro. These fights start at 7 a.m. Pacific, and they start at 10. These are the prelims, Eastern time. So please be aware of the early start. We're down to 12 fights from 14, lost a couple for whatever reason. That does not affect us. We've got five rounds of releases and a few props. And round one, as I mentioned, the light heavies, Krylov against Ozdemir. Krylov, Ukrainian fighter, typical Eastern European fighter. He's stoic, erect but pretty much positionally not athletic. He tends to be more straight up and down, but he's very well-rounded. And in this fight, he's going to be an inch taller, have a two-inch reach advantage, and has experienced somewhat of an uneven career. Primarily a diligent, durable guy that doesn't finish or get finished. Ozdemir really fought a who's who in his career, starting with Daniel Cormier, the champ, in his debut. He's been in with much better 
He's fought the who's who and competed very well. Ozdemir, 33, Krylov, 30. Though these guys are chronologically young, they probably have both seen better days. The change in camp from Ozdemir, who had to be training alone in Switzerland the last few years through COVID, when he moved to Sweden to train with Gustafsson, Chemaev, and company, was really a positive move for him. Ozdemir's maybe the little bit more dynamic fighter, got power, perhaps not as well-rounded as Krylov, but a little bit more aggressive. Ozdemir is really very durable and erect and wants to stand up himself. I see this fight, which opens Krylov minus 170, plus 145 to Ozdemir, and that's about where it stands right now as highly competitive. What's confounding is the total at two and a half, minus 175 to the under. I categorically and respectfully disagree here. I can't see the finish. I'm going to go to the props for DraftKings, round props for round one's release. Fight starts round three plus 110, and that's your round one. Let's move into round two. Round two was released a couple weeks ago, and in this fight, we're at middleweight, 185 pounders. Chao Baralho, the Brazilian, against Mahmoud Muradov, the Uzbeki fighter. To me, Mahmoud's inactivity is concerning. His last fight against Gerald Mearshart, 8 of 21. He got beat by a pretty one-dimensional Mearshart who is submission only. Prior to that, wins over Andrew Sanchez, Trevor Smith, and the Italian Di Chiricchio, two of those guys not even in the UFC anymore, Sanchez, journeyman at best. I wonder what the Uzbeki fighter's been doing in his off time because he must improve greatly. He's stepping way up in class to compete with Baralho. And let's just say it like this, Baralho has had two UFC fights since Mearshart and Muradov got it on together. So with Barallo, we're getting a much more well-rounded fighter. We're getting explosive fighter that's been in with a couple of really good fighters. One, Petrosian, who's on this card, he beat in decision. The other gentleman he fought, who's also on this card, Omar Gadziev, he went through him like a hot knife through butter. Baralho is more well-rounded. He's more explosive. He's on a direct trajectory into the top 10. And I really like him here. That's why I released him a couple weeks ago, minus 220, when he came out. In fact, today's price, minus 205, is a little better than what I had released a couple weeks ago. Those that didn't get Baralho then... I say get him now, minus 205. I really like him in this spot. Now let's go right into round three. Round three is one of the real early futures we gave out when these lines came out. Sean Brady taking on Bilal Muhammad in a welterweight fight. That might be the most intriguing fight, not only on the card, but of the quarter. Muhammad is unbeaten in his last eight, tends to be nondescript, i.e. 16 to 21 fights 
Uh, he's one of Ben Decision. The guy finds a way, though, and like I say, nondescript. He doesn't do anything outstanding, although he's a tremendous grinder. He's a tremendous adjuster in the middle of the fight. In this fight, he's actually going to be taller than Brady and have an experience advantage. Muhammad must be considered as an absolute legitimate top five threat in this welterweight division, and people tend to underestimate him, perhaps me too a little bit. In Brady, we get an undefeated fighter whose style is going to be the greatest challenge to Muhammad because Muhammad has not fought anyone that's going to batter him like a ram and attack him in the exact same manner that Muhammad's going to attack Brady. So something's going to have to give here when these two guys meet and start to grapple, elbow, knee, and get it on. I think that what we have in Brady is a fighter who is five years younger, and we know five years a younger fighter, there's tremendous advantage, 60-some percent advantage there. It is Brady's strength. It's the style by which he fights that I think is going to really perplex and confound Muhammad. I really look for Brady to dominate this fight, even though Muhammad is a top five talent. I think Brady's on his way to championship opportunities. We took Brady weeks ago plus 120. He's now minus 140. Again, this fight's going to be totally awesome. Over under in the fight, two and a half, minus 280 to the over. You know, you would think Brady decision might be an easy way to attack a prop, and it may well be, except that I don't put it out of Brady's potential to finish Muhammad. We're going to keep it simple. Round three, Sean Brady, minus 120. Let's move into round four for our parlay. Parlay in round four. Mateus Gamrot, minus 190. We're putting him with Peter Yan. Minus 265. First advice here is I want you to be hesitant in putting this in. If you see Gamrot go up, make your bet. But we're holding on the Gamrot side because the Yan number is coming down based on O'Malley popularity. As far as the Gamrot Dariush fight is concerned, weeks ago I released Dariush as a future. Last week we bought Gamrot back and bought out of the Dariush bet. And oh, by the way, the 20 cents that we spent to do that is getting recorded in the books on this card, as mentioned. That brings us to a completely zero position moving into this parlay. And Gamrat from Poland is the pick. Two years younger, tremendously well-rounded. And when I look at Dariusz, she's two years older, and he's tremendously well-rounded. The way to look at this is Gamrot's well-roundedness of skill, his speed, his fighting acumen is basically at 31 what Dariush was when he was 31. Gamrot's been busy. Gamrot's stayed active, fought great competition. To come here off a win over Armin Sarukian is unbelievable. Unfortunately for Dariush, he's been less active situationally, nothing he's done. But I don't know how the time away has really been with him. Foundational to get us off this Dariush bet from the beginning was a couple weeks ago when there was talk about him being the potential replacement for the main event in this fight in case Makachev or Oliveira 
bailed out. They had another set of lightweights here ready to move right in, and that was going to be Dariush. He was disappointed and spent time in the press discussing that when it was announced that Volkanovski, in fact, was going to get that opportunity. So Gamrot, basically being the younger version of Dariush, being the busier fighter and coming in with the momentum he has, too much for me to overlook. Coup de resistance. There's a well-renowned MMA gym in Phoenix. My One of my dearest friends, John Crouch, runs the thing. He and I get to speak about these fights pretty regularly. He was able to prepare against each fighter, and he was dynamically influential of me going from Dariush to Gamrot, and I'll say it like that. Gamrot minus 190, and we're going to take him to Peter Yan. And why am I going to take him to Peter Yan, who is fighting against the MMA lab fighter here in Phoenix? And, of course, where I get my tutelage and I've learned all my knowledge. And I've explained to my friends at the lab that I'm going to use Yan. I don't go to the lab to pick up nuances in the MMA game to become friends with fighters. That ain't it. I don't talk to them. I don't deal with them. And they barely know what that fat old 60-year-old guy's doing watching practice all the time. I have to keep it completely unbiased. I see no way that O'Malley should be in a situation where his price has dropped from plus 300 to plus 225. In fact, Yan opened minus 380, O'Malley 300. It's now Yan minus 265, O'Malley plus 225. O'Malley, four inches taller, two years younger, five-inch reach advantage, size. We got a big cage. O'Malley's going to be able to use his dynamic athleticism and movement all over that 30-foot cage against a guy in Yan who's well shorter and is going to have to fight to get inside position. And therein lies the cat and mouse. Yan, to me, the more well-rounded fighter, I think no one will argue that. And we've seen in past fights, the attack on O'Malley's legs is the best way to start with him eventuate into forcing him to use energy and then take him deep into the fight. I'm convinced this is the on plan. Take the legs, wrestle him up, and in the last five minutes where Jan is famous and known for fighting his best in the last five minutes of any fight, we also know that O'Malley's biggest challenge in mixed martial arts is saving gas for those last five minutes. Long, skinny kid, he's had some trouble late in fights. Now, this fight, two and a half, line to the over, minus 205. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm not sure if I'm buying that, to be completely honest. I think that if Jan can exert O'Malley early, gas him out, he can finish him. That said, if Jan gets cute and tries to rush into O'Malley too quick, O'Malley's long, he's skinny, he gets credit for no wrestling or grappling acumen, which is incorrect. O'Malley has dynamic Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He hasn't shown it. He's been working with Tank uh, Mendez tirelessly. One last thing. O'Malley's a young man, and he's a wealthy man because he knew how to create an image and create a show, and he has Diaz-like following. 
I'm convinced that's what's affecting the line here. When this thing becomes a fight, I really believe it's going to be Jan that walks out of the cage with his hand raised based on the fact that he fights his best in the last five minutes of the fight. Round four, Peter Jan, minus 265, with Mateus Gamrot, minus 190. One unit returns 1.1 units. And now we go to the fifth and final round. Fifth and final round, no surprise to anyone. We've been on Oliveira plus 195 since the cows came home and this fight was announced. And here's basically how I see it. Experience advantage, clearly Oliveira. He's been in with much higher caliber talent, and that's really where I want to kind of talk. Yes, Makachev is the Khabib product, and he is a Russian vice grip and knows how to crowd, take down, and overwhelm opponents. But those opponents, just the last three, Bobby Green, Dan Hooker, and Thiago Moises. Yeah, Moises is well-rounded, but Hooker and Green are journeyman fighters with no takedown defense whatsoever. They're strikers. Makachev hasn't faced somebody as well-rounded as Oliveira with Oliveira's ground ability, nor has he faced as slick and as powerful a striker as Oliveira. Makachev opens minus 240 to uh, Oliveira plus 195. Today, it's minus 190, Oliveira plus 160. Now, this fight is being held in Abu Dhabi. It's a tremendously Muslim area. Makachev's going to have all the fans. You might want to be patient if you've missed Oliveira. You might want to be patient because we could see some money come in late on Makachev here. However, for the Bout Business podcast, we are clearly rooted in investing in Charles Oliveira in the main event, plus 195 then. If you don't have it, when we released it, get the best price by waiting between now and the time the first bell rings to get the best price. Now, before we go, a couple of just little side thoughts. Jan and O'Malley. O'Malley has sub-acumen no one's aware of, maybe not even Yan. O'Malley via sub in this fight, which to me is not out of the question, is plus 250. It's yes, 2500. We're absolutely putting a dime. We're putting 0.10 of a unit on O'Malley via the sub because I don't think it's out of the question. One other prop, Caitlin Shukagian against Manyan Firo. This fight spooked me because Chikagian missed weight. But it's a big cage, and this is a PhD in MMA fight. Chikagian's really crafty, got all kinds of experience. All her fights go to decision. This fight, as a matter of fact, to go to decision, minus 300. Furo's a huge favorite, and she's fought and looked dominant against a couple of Brazilian ladies grappling that are nowhere near the caliber fighter of Chikagian. The French woman Firo steps way up in class here. We like Chikagian via decision plus 240 for a half a unit. So there we are. Bout business podcast for UFC 280. Five rounds of releases. O'Malley via the sub for a dime. Chikagian via decision for a half a unit. I want everybody to hunker down, realize what time those fights start tomorrow, 
Enjoy the fights. We're going to win some money. And I'll be right back here next week for another version of Gamblu's Bout Business Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Locked into Gamblu's Bout Business MMA podcast featuring Lou Finicaro. Hit our subscribe button and never miss out on Lou's behind the scenes access to the world of MMA. Want the best sports betting podcast on the board? Look no further than GreenRollMedia.com each and every weekend. GreenRoll's covering the NFL, college football, and MMA better than anyone. Bringing you behind the counter of the most well-renowned sports books in Las Vegas. That's GreenRollMedia.com. GreenRollMedia.com. Home of the world's premier sports betting podcast network.